I want to be very true to our time frame. I know some people have taken off work to be here, so we will conclude at 8.30. Just incredible this morning. I don't know if you realize, but I was just standing up at the front at one point looking back. We had more than 70 people show up at 6 o'clock prayer this morning. It's just powerful what God's doing. Come on, there's a hunger. And so that's the focus of summer intensive. You know, that's what we're trying to do. Here's the bottom line. I want to reiterate it each week. Six o'clock prayer on Tuesday, eight o'clock, 30 minute session in here. Nine o'clock on Sunday before church, we do that pre-service rally just for that. It's like a seven minute blast off all together. There seems to be more, um, I don't know, more unction in those seven minutes than the whole rest of the morning just because all the hungry people show up in the room. And uh, then, of course, Sunday was just outrageous, wasn't it? Just outrageous. Start to finish what God was doing. Um, I could hardly preach from all the young people jumping up, shouting at me while I was speaking. Uh, It was just really, really exciting to see. And I think the Lord's just answering our, our prayer, our hunger. So uh, we invite you in this progression, for those of you that are doing this, obviously you are if you're here, um, but to not only be there at 9 on Sunday, but then to be available in both those services, just praying and seeking God and serving and looking for any opportunity like we all ought to do in the way we walk out our faith. And the other thing that I've asked, if you would just please give consideration to during these six weeks, be intentional about relationships in the church. You know, we're a family. So make sure you're purposing to be very intentional. Travia um, is going to be my poster child now for a season of time who um, God spoke to her to come back to Destiny after she had gone. Was it Hawaii? Mm -hmm. Suffering for Jesus in Hawaii at ministry training. (laughs) And uh, what was the organization? 21 Project with YWAM. With YWAM, okay. And so um, (laughs) she came back from that and the Lord was telling her to, to come to Destiny and she showed up. Week after week after week, six weeks, and um, very uncharacteristic of our church because our church is known. The number one thing people tell me when they come here is, I can't believe how friendly the church is. You've heard me joke about one guy said uh, he was a little overwhelmed by the friendliness that even took place at the urinal next to him in the bathroom. That was a little over the top. (laughs) There's a man rule there. Give a little space, guys. Uh, but I, I appreciate so much the non-judgmental atmosphere, the embrace people find in this place. Ryan stood up and declared when I was in jail, uh, and he spoke of Chris Goodson and coming to know Christ and walk with God, and, and our church didn't second-guess it at all. Everybody just broke into celebration and praise, and I'm so glad you're here, Ryan. We're really proud of you. I just posted Ryan's picture on my social media this morning. Um, but Travia was here week after week, and... In in the course of six weeks, she just sat by herself and never had an invitation to connect. And we need to never let that be. You you know how that happens. We all love each other so much that when church is over, we turn to those we love and are friends with. And we tend to neglect those that are isolated and sitting there waiting for somebody to love them because we're so excited about our existing relationships. And so we have to constantly be turning outward. The church must constantly turn outward. The circles must constantly turn outward. Congregational families must constantly turn outward. And we look to um, the community uh, on every level beyond our our own circle. So I, I just ask you to be intentional about making connections in the church during these six weeks. 
And you know, everything I'm talking to you about is not a discipleship program. It's a lifestyle we're trying to implement. This is what we should do as Christians for the rest of our lives. Be activated to the gifts of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God, the body of Christ, the Word of God. And what I want to talk to you about today, I just felt this was so important. statement that I made uh, months ago, it's just resonated with me. Jesus is the master at doing more than we thought He could with less than we thought He needed. He's the master. So if you think in Scripture, uh, some Bible story illustrations, uh, what, where can you immediately think of where Jesus did more than we thought He could with less than we thought He needed? Yeah. Feeding the 5,000. Clearly the number one illustration that comes to my mind. Any other thoughts? Yeah, David and Goliath. A little stone. I mean, crazy. More than we thought he could, with less than we thought he needed. Uh, when he turned the water into wine. Yeah. At the, at the wedding. Yeah. Just water yeah. became wine. Amazing. I mean, there are illustrations after illustrations. D. Uh, the storm. Uh, yeah. My life. Hey, Amen. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of I thought of the uh, oil that did not run dry, and it's interesting. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Isn't that a great portion of scripture? If you go to First Kings and you find that story where the widow had oil that did not run dry, you know what you'll find if you look at the Hebrew language. It's the same phrase, same word as "I shall not want." The Lord is my shepherd; my oil will never run dry. It's the same Hebrew word. The Lord is my shepherd. My oil will never run dry. Um, as we get into this next component, I mentioned this morning of uh, the armor of God and the shield of faith. And we take a look at that. <clears throat> the two things that keep a Roman soldier's shield combat ready are oil and water. The oil speaks of the Holy Spirit that awakens our faith. And water uh, quenches the fiery darts of the enemy quickly and easily when your shield is soaked with water. The water of the Word. Scripture says in Ephesians, wash your wives in the water of the Word, commanding us as husbands to do so and lead the charge in our homes. So we see oil and water being very significant. And as we give God something to work with, He does so much. It was really good. Uh, it's a great way to transition into this, my life. How many of you can agree with that? Yeah. I mean, there was not much to work with. <laughs> but thank God He does more than we thought He could with less than we thought He needed. He doesn't require much. But some kind of seed must be given in the hands of God. It has to be the lunch of the boy. Uh, it has to be something that we're willing to put in his hands. And if you think of coaches that are known uh, as really accomplished coaches, um, you know, there, there are different scenarios where different athletes will say, I want to be coached by that person. I want to be trained by that person because they're really trained. And once that coach actually selects you, and says, you have what I believe it takes for me to help you become a champion. If they're a champion-making coach, you understand, then something of expectation is suddenly awakened within you because that coach has selected you. I just want to tell you the Holy Spirit has selected you. He sees the champion in you. He's trying to draw that out of you. There are deposits God placed within you from eternal time beginning and God is calling to those seeds to awaken that, to blow on that with His breath and His spirit. But no great coach can ever make a 
um, an athlete into a true champion if there's not something the athlete is willing to provide for the coach to work with. So that's the thing I just want us to hit today and really understand what are you giving God to work with? So he doesn't require much to do a lot, but what are you giving him to work with? I like this, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to the teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, relationship, all those elements. But they did what? They devoted themselves. They did what? They devoted themselves. See, this is what's wild. And I start, you know, especially when I start talking about uh, the, the, how the cultural ideology has invaded our theology and we think from a wrong perspective because we don't start with the blueprint of scripture. We wind up building something that's not even existing uh, biblically in so many instances. And, and I know this will rub some of us in the room the wrong way. I've never said this and it didn't upset somebody, especially in forums of pastors and leaders. But there is no follow-up program in the Bible. I, I'm, I mean, it, you just look at the discipleship follow-up program. They, they visit, they make a decision, they turn in a card, and this is the progression of follow-up. You understand, God awakens hunger and then answers hunger the more we're willing to respond to that. I'm not trying to erase anything out of our responsibility in the church, but I think we have to look at what God actually asks of us and what He tells us in Scripture. And I just want to reiterate, they devoted themselves. And so when people make a decision to serve the Lord, a hunger is awakened within them, and then God begins to answer that hunger, and it actually perpetuates a pattern in their life as they walk this out. And the more we walk it out, <clears throat> the more our hunger is established and developed. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. It says, Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to discern right from wrong or distinguish good from evil. This is the mature. Solid food is for... So we're talking about maturity. Mature believers have done what? They've constantly used God's Word to train themselves. They devoted themselves. They used the Word to train themselves I mean, there's a real interesting element here that I think is important. And I'm, I'm just calling you to deeper places. That's why I wanted to bring this today, this focal point. I want to ask you, grow deeper. Grow intentionally. Grow deeper purpose to worship God when you feel like it. That is a great time to worship God. And purpose to worship God when you don't feel like it. That is a great time to worship God. Stay true to your devotions and stay in the Word when you feel like it. And it's just so exciting. And stay true to the Word of God when you don't. Because mature believers through constant use have trained themselves to discern what God is trying to accomplish in their lives. I, I think we need to, to really cultivate a mature pursuit of God. It is going to get difficult. Will you bump that AC down just a little bit, sir? Uh, it, just like a degree. Everybody's freaking out. Uh, it is difficult to make progress at anything if you just keep quitting every time it's not easy. It's very difficult to make progress if you just keep quitting every time it's not easy. I'm just talking about maturity. Mature people promote order. Immature people promote chaos and disorder. Mature people hear something spoken, they get aggravated, 
they get unhappy, unsettled, frustrated, and they become emotional, and they open their mouth, and things come out of their mouth that contributes to chaos and darkness and confusion. And the enemy loves it when we're immature in that way. But mature believers, they cover, they protect. They, your, your name is safe in my mouth if I'm a mature Christian. Is my name safe in your mouth? Are our names safe in other people's mouths? You know, that, that's the thing that we have to constantly be evaluating. You can't control them, but you can control you. I've got a situation right now has nothing to do with the church, but a guy is talking trash about me and he doesn't know that I know. Uh, and I, I, I know because a friend of mine actually walked in the room and he was talking to another guy and this is a place where I frequent and go fairly often. <clears throat> and, uh, and he's not a Christian. I'm not expecting him to act like a Christian, but I've had to come face to face with the reality that if I want to be like Jesus, I have to learn to keep my mouth shut when accusations come. I, I want to react. I, I have a reactor. I have the ability. I could probably, uh, I could probably wordsmith him under the table, uh, lacerate him. You know, Sunday I was declaring the Lord spoke to me that he was using my words as a whip to chase away your oppressors in that moment in the morning. I mean, I could take that whip. But how many of you really want to be like Jesus? I mean, if we really want to be like Jesus, then we have to learn to hold our peace even when we're under accusation because we're just more mature than that because we just want something deeper than that. Your pain is costly. Your pain is expensive. Don't waste your pain. You get what you pay for, right? Don't waste your pain. When you have that pain, bring it before the Lord and become more like Christ as a result of a deeper pain than just spilling your pain in every direction and whoever will listen, pay attention. So I just think God wants to take us into places of greater maturity and walk it out. When it gets difficult, dig in. When it gets difficult, dig in. Grow deeper. That, you know, that's when your, your worship, I remember the story of the couple and they lost a child. And it was, it was just you know, mind-numbing when those types of, types of things happened. You watch somebody walk through it and, and their pastor had been with them that week. And, and, uh, and then on Sunday, they showed up to church. And he walked, uh, he walked back to them and he said, I didn't expect to see you here today. You know, I figured you would be in a process of grieving and mourning. And, and the, the husband took the wife's hand. And he said, the pain was too great to waste. You, you know, it's been interesting, but when I watch my girls and they endure something they didn't deserve with an attitude and a heart that makes me proud... It's because they've carried their pain well. That is maturity. It captures my attention as a father to watch my children carry their pain well. You have carried your pain well. As I'm telling that story, I'm getting emotional because I'm thinking of you guys and I just want to say we love you. And I know that you have walked through your mourning and grieving process with the loss of Edie. But I just thank you that you have carried your pain so well. You've been such an example to all of us, not just in how, the, how you respond in the good, but how you have walked through so much pain. And I just declare God is bringing a depth of healing even beyond that which you have experienced to this moment. Right now in agreement, there's a layer deeper within you that God is reaching and restoring in Jesus' mighty name. 
in Jesus' mighty name. When it gets difficult, dig in. It captures the attention of God and will arrest the attention of the world. They will not understand when you function from a place of spiritual maturity because it does not make sense in the natural realm. When it's difficult to have your devotion and spend time in the Word, I'm asking you, turn the page. I have never given myself so passionately to trying to create a movement in my life as turn the page. It works. It's practical. Get an old-fashioned Bible. Start in the book of Genesis. Write the date at the top of the page. Every day, turn one page. Put the date again. Happy birthday to my wife is going on there July 16th. Happy birthday to Pat on July 16th. Um, you know, you, every day, turn the page. Put Commemorate anything there. Underline, highlight, whatever's on your heart. But you then will produce, you will get through Genesis to Revelation before you know it. And you will then produce an heirloom that, will pos- that your children will possess as a legacy of faith. And your children's 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 children, who you will never meet, will be impacted by your faith. <coughs> the Bible says that an unborn generation would serve the Lord our God. Our faith can actually awaken something in a generation that has not yet even been born. If we will live this thing out in a way that leaves legacy... Anybody think, why is God taking so long? Why is God taking so long? Tim, Esther, and I were sitting at breakfast talking about the timing of the Lord and how God seems to take so long sometimes. He is, God is never too late. Would you agree with that? He is never too late. But boy, He misses a lot of opportunities to be early. I've learned that about walking with God. Now, I just want to encourage you, keep digging in. When you don't understand, keep digging in. When it doesn't make sense... Keep digging in. You know what a tree does in a time of drought? It deepens its roots to find the nourishment it needs. And if you will not give in but deepen your roots, what's happening, listen, God is actually preparing you for a storm that you could not handle if your roots don't go deeper in the difficult time of drought. Stop giving up. Stop giving in just when it gets difficult. Dig in fast. Pray. Learn what a consecrated lifestyle is all about, especially when times are difficult and times are hard. When I don't recommend this, but when Tracy and I were just married, uh, it was interesting because we were supposed to uh, go to lunch, and, and I, I called her and I said, hey, I am, uh, I, I am not well. I'm, I'm not well. I'm just going to go home. We're going to have to miss lunch. And, uh, and as I was driving home, I had a fever. I could clearly tell. And I, and I just, to make a point for me, not for her, I actually let, I, I stopped going home, and I went over to where she was. I drove. It took me about 10, 15 minutes to get there. And I went in, and I said, it's always easy just to say I love you. But I wanted to do it in a moment when it really wasn't convenient and I just didn't feel it. Just so you know how much I really mean it. You know, it really was, uh, I'd like to say it impacted her, but she's so logical. She was like, don't be dumb. Go home, go to bed. (laughs) God knows what I needed when he gave me my wife. But it meant something to me. It deepened something in me. I just declare over you, Brad, that you're coming into an incredible season of deepening. I just see over you an incredible season of deepening uh, in that which is ahead. And you've walked through and seen Chris Goodson through his whole progression. And now he's about to get out. Uh, Yesterday they had to get a special permission for him to leave the, the halfway house 
uh, during the morning because they think he's already being processed and so he didn't show up in the system and he said that usually happens when you're about to go. And so we're real excited to see that. But I'm just declaring over you, Brad, there are some people that you're going to walk through um, stages in their life that will actually rescue them in advance from those types of circumstances. You're, a, you're, a, you're like a lifeguard. I just see that you are a lifeguard in the kingdom of God. And some people just need your counsel, your advice, your mentorship, your partnership, your friendship, your fathering. And many will be rescued in Jesus' mighty name. We just keep going deeper. Every moment, we just keep going deeper. Every circumstance, situation, we just keep going. We just want to go deeper. When it's painful, difficult, problematic, things aren't working out, why is God taking so long? You just keep pressing in. Keep bringing that before the Lord your God. Exodus 13, verses 17 and 18 tells us God sent the Israelites a different way because they were not ready for warfare and they would have turned back had they faced a fight too soon. I wish God would hurry up. No. Sometimes God prepares the promise for you. Sometimes God prepares you for the promise. And if you get there too early, the Bible says an inheritance quickly gained will be spoiled. Proverbs 20, verse 21. So you can't get there too early. God's always a God who's preparing the atmosphere before he releases the promise. He's always a God who's preparing the atmosphere before he releases the promise. He did not create the fish until he first prepared the atmosphere of the water. He did not create the bird until he first created an atmosphere in which they could fly and survive and live. He will not create the promise until the atmosphere of your life will sustain and perpetuate that promise into a place of greater maturity that he's calling you to go. God is at work within us. He's always preparing the atmosphere of our lives. This is why it's so important. I just felt the Lord was just saying we have to grow deeper in a place of greater maturity to have an atmosphere that will sustain what he's really desiring to do. We're not waiting for God as much as God is waiting for us whenever we're frustrated saying, where, where are you, God? Why are you not hurrying up? <clears throat> so many times he's just waiting for us. Last statement I want to give you today, and it's an important one, so I'm going to say it slowly. You'll be able to write it down. Everything God wants to do in your life, everything, nothing excluded, everything God wants to do in your life is built upon the reality. I'm going to say the whole thing, and then I'll repeat it until you get it, so don't scream at me. I know how you are. Everything God wants to do in your life is built upon the reality that God has connected himself to you through Jesus Christ so you could become a child of God. Everything he does in us, for us, to us, and through us is completely relational. Vertically and horizontally. Okay, I'll say it again so you can write it down. Everything God wants to do in your life is built upon the reality that God has connected himself to you through Jesus Christ. So you could become a child of God. Everything God wants to do in your life is built upon the reality that God has connected himself to you through Jesus Christ so you could become a child of God. And then the last thing, everything he does in us, for us, to us, and through us, in us, for us, to us, and through us, is completely relational. If you've got it written down, go ahead and stand. (laughs) 
Everything He does in us, for us, to us, and through us is completely relational. Everything He does in us, for us, to us, and through us is completely relational. And this is vertically and horizontally. Think about it. Vertically and horizontally. God always is doing what He's doing relationally. I mentioned it in prayer this morning, but Ephesians 4 uh, speaks of the, the gifts being given to build up the church. And it says, each joint supplies. It's a really interesting statement in there. But he's given the uh, five-fold ministry gifts for the building up of the church so that we may be made mature. Each joint supplies as each part does its work. Each joint supplies. Think about it. Each joint supplies. Where there is connection, there is provision. Because each joint supplies. Uh, how many of you are married? Raise your hand if you're married. How many of you had a friend introduce you to the person you married? Raise your hand. And so uh, what you have to realize is in a scenario where somebody introduced you to your spouse, what happened? God used that relationship, that connection to introduce you to the next dimension. God always, it's just, sometimes it's just one connection that takes you to the next dimension. Each joint supplies. So, Lord, we're just desiring to find the provision that comes from our relationship with you, the provision that comes from our relationship with others, and, Lord, the provision that goes to our relationship with others. I pray that you would help us not be people that are looking for connections to see what we can get, but, Lord, we would look for connections to see how we could give. We know that you want our life to be awesome. But that truth comes with the trick. It is not your desire that we pursue an awesome life for ourselves, but provide an awesome life for others, and that's what will make our life awesome. Everything you're desiring to do is built on the reality, Lord, that you are a relational God. You didn't hire us to work for you. You adopted us as sons and daughters and released us to the family business of taking over the world. May we grow deeper in everything that we do. Lord, when it's easy, we'll keep walking. When it's hard, we'll keep walking. We'll keep digging in. We'll let our roots go deeper. And we'll be prepared to endure and weather any and every storm the devil would ever bring our way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, and amen.